Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Patricia. Patricia Florin, welcome to the show. Thank you. for. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, I shared this with Patricia last time, but um, Patricia was my birth mum's name. So this is particularly poignant because um, Patricia's birth mum. And um, we had a, a real superb conversation last time. Um, uh, like a couple of months ago now, but it's all coming, yeah. it's all coming flooding back to me. Uh, so Patricia's writ written a book. As always, listeners, uh, check out the show notes to to find out more about the guests if they pique your interest. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, Patricia's reunion. Um, but we're going to start off by asking a, a question that Patricia wanted. Uh, well, it thought it'd be a good a good lead in, which is why you write why you wrote the book. So why did you why did you write the book? Why did you get this out there? So I was part of a support group, and we had adoptees coming, birth mothers, and adoptive parents, and a lot of the questions that came up was. Why? Why did you relinquish me or why did she relinquish me? And I felt there was a hole in, in not presenting the stories in not in small part because we were hidden. Birth mothers were hidden. This was closed adoption. We weren't allowed to know each other and to avoid becoming, you know, ostracized or humiliated in those days. We kept it a secret. Why did we give them up? And so I wanted to give these women a chance to speak, to tell their stories, to put it out in public. And there, there are a variety of stories from me. I was 15 when I got pregnant, 16 when I gave birth, and I was hidden in our family home while I was pregnant to a uh, few other single women to even a couple of uh, married women who had relinquished. And I wanted to start to answer that question through those experiences. I wrote it for the women to have a voice and I wrote it for the adoptees to have the beginnings of answers. And this is, the, was, it, was this the 60s or the 70s or what, what, when are we talking? Well, the stories in the book, the first one is in 1959 and the last one is in 1983. My own story was 1972 is when my daughter was born. Yeah. Okay. So I was born 67. So things had opened up a little bit, um, but we were still in the dark ages compared to where we are now. Yeah. And I lived in a pretty uh in, in a community in a catholic community in a conservative suburb yeah it was dark ages there still yeah yeah so dark ages yeah um can you give us a bit of you um you described meeting your um daughter Meeting her again, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
and crying the um, crying the purest of tears and 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 out of the darkness, you're in uh, seeing a, a white, like experiencing a white light. Can you give us a bit of context to to that? And I'm running yeah. into that. Well, so I was 16 and hiding in our home, and I gave birth to her on Easter Sunday, 1972. And they said I could give her a name, April Dawn, and I was a mixture of thrilled and just. The grief was, I, it was so big, I had to push it away. And for the next 16 years, I pushed the grief away. I couldn't deal with it. Had two more children, married, moved. Um, I, I, I wanted to deal with it, but it was blocked. So then I get the phone call. They had found me from the old town that I had lived in through a personal ad found by someone I know who called me. And uh, my whole world came to a standstill. Suddenly from this hiding, I had to tell our sons that they had an older sister. I had to tell my in-laws. I had two brothers who hadn't even known I'd had her. No friends knew, nobody knew. Suddenly life's at a standstill and what next? Well, I was thrilled she found me. I, wow. It was, so it was this fascinating mix of being thrilled and having life at a standstill and saying, now you're going to deal with this. And my greatest wish for our reunion was to keep her in my life. I didn't want to lose her again. That would kill me. So we did arrange to meet. Uh, I flew from Oregon with our boys, and my husband was already in Florida where we were going. And she lived in Florida, and we met in the airport. And her mom pushed her forward, to, and she was already crying. I came up to her and we just glommed onto each other. We just held onto each other and, and tears, tears. They felt like as the purest tears I've ever shed. And I could see nothing, but felt I was standing in white light. She and I were just standing in this beautiful, pure light of love. Moments don't get any better than that. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean things have been, you know, easy, although our reunion has been successful. But, but, oh, that's like the first throes of love, you know, although it wasn't first. These were so long time coming, so long time being able to hold on to each other. I did get to touch her head in the, uh, delivery room, but that's it. I did see her through the nursery class, but I couldn't see because the grief was so strong and it was pushing me away saying, you can't do this. And the only way to do it was to shut down. So in that moment of holding on to her, I think everything was opening up. And what the first thing, the only thing that was most important was that pure love. Wow, 
It's so visceral, isn't it? So. Yeah. So. This was, I can't do them. I can't do the math. Uh, six seventy seventy eight. Was it 70? no? So she Sorry, was born eighty eight seventy two, yeah. and this was in nineteen eighty eight. Eighty eight, yeah, yeah. eighty eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did used to do maths. Do do <laughs> eighty eight. Um, so uh, twenty three minus eighty eight. This is um, twenty three plus twelve. Uh, this is. Eight, 23 she she was 16 yeah and now and she i was six oh now she's am i allowed to tell your age andrea no. <laughs> <laughs> we just gave you birth here now she's 50 yeah she's 50 yeah wow and we still have a very good strong sound relationship yeah yeah so the the purest tears then, because we, what 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 was that about? What were the, why were the purest tears? So so much of <clears throat> the experience was me hiding in shame. Shame painted everything I did. I continued to hide for all those years, not telling people about her, keeping secrets. How many children do you have? And I would always hesitate. Uh. Yes. Um, and then the confusion, can I counter as a child? Or anyway, um, purest tears, the shame left the building, you know, so to speak. Um, there was no shame. There was just the beauty of a mother and her child yeah. reuniting. No so, agendas. No agendas. No so agendas. The the tears washed away the shame. No way. Oh, were that it were that easy? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> In that In moment, that moment it did. yeah. <laughs> In that moment, and for that whole trip, I felt like I was in a fairy tale. We just got to be together. We couldn't, you know, holding hands, and she was hanging out with her brothers, and they had such a good time. And then when she, we had to leave. I was shocked that I felt bereaved again. I thought this would, this, all right, I'm cured. Well, no, the bereavement comes at odd times. Every time we had to say goodbye, it would wash over me. And the shame, <clears throat> I had to start telling people. If I wanted her in my life, I had to start telling people that she'd been born and who she was and having lived with the you're going to be a pariah you're going to be humiliated and shamed if you tell it was difficult to do that and what I realized is each person I told I mean having conversations with my brothers having a conversation my mom had died at this point just sad but uh so she wasn't there but having conversation with my dad with my brothers, with my in-laws, with our sons, with my friends. Each time I had to come out with the secret and destroy it. And the difficulty was the shame that was just so tight and gripped me. But each time I did, it let loose a little bit. 
it took a few years for that to really release its grip and some work. But uh, yeah. What did the work look like? Well, at first it looked like recognizing it, it was so helpful that I lived in a different time now. This wasn't the um, 60s and I lived in a very conservative community. It wasn't that mentality. Women were raising children on their own. They were having pregnancies out of wedlock all the time. Uh, this was an accepted thing. And so I'm still carrying the last decade's beliefs, and I had to let go of that. That's part of what the work that took, that helped. But then I had to look inside, and I was angry, very angry. Why did we let go of our family? We, and now I'm including my mom, my dad, who were part of this decision. And really, I didn't have any other decision. I was 16 and still in school. But um, I had a lot of anger, had to work through that. And eventually, I stumbled into the work of oh, <clears throat> non-duality, Eckhart Tolle, Rupert Spira, um, Byron Katie. Byron Katie was very helpful. She has a system called The Work. And you ask four questions and do a turnaround of anything you're really believing. And that has really done a lot for me to do that work. And to recognize, so what is our, who, who did this happen to? Um, this is where I'm, I'm going to, you know, hem and haw because there is the separate selves we believe ourselves to be and, and we're conditioned to be. And then there's the pure self. If that moment of pure tears didn't, it showed me nothing. It showed me that we have other layers here. That pure self, what is that? And so I did some studying in Buddhism too. And, uh, that kind of work between the psychological work and the spiritual work together, all part of my healing. Yeah. I, I, I came up with something last year um, that uh, I, I loved. It was a little bit far out, but for a lady of your um, caliber and consciousness, I, I don't think it will be too far out for you. So um, I'm going to ask you a question, if 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 I may. And the, the question is, is there a belief? Oh, sorry. <laughs> is is the the belief? that there is something called, or such as, limiting beliefs, itself a limiting belief. Is there such a thing as a limiting belief? Yeah, it, well, isn't, isn't that, isn't, isn't a belief in them itself a limiting belief? Yes. Belief is, is limited. So 
when we can let go of that, <clears throat> oh, this, this is going to get into real airy-fairy, but uh, beliefs can be helpful, but the, they are limited in what they can do. And when we let them condition us, for example, the belief that giving birth as an unwed mother was shameful, I let that belief condition all my actions and everything I did. So <clears throat> the work would be questioning that belief. Is it shameful? Can I be absolutely sure? How do I feel when I think that thought? Who would I be if I didn't have the thought? And what are some, some other ways of thinking? And when I do that, it, it releases itself. It releases itself. Yeah. Makes us, go ahead. Yeah, um, I, I was taking us down a quite a, a, perhaps a, a, an esoteric road, so I'll I'll, I'll go back to uh, I'll go back to firmer ground. Um, did I tell you about the letter from um, from Patricia? Did I tell you about you that? Did. Did, yeah. You did. You did. So, the, if you haven't heard this, uh, listeners, I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a, a a link in there in the show notes to um, uh, another episode where I discussed this in a, in a, in a video um, where I read out the letter from my, from my birth mother. Uh, so the letter wasn't from me, um, but reading it had a similar effect on me as meeting um, meeting her daughter for the second time um, had on Patricia in the sense of the 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 the, the tears part. Um, I didn't get. I, I'm I'm reading it. I was reading a letter, not hugging my daughter, so it's not as as visceral an experience. But believe me, it it felt pretty visceral. <laughs> it felt very visceral, visceral at the time. Um, and I felt that the that the tears washed away um, my anger towards her. Mm. And bearing in mind, I'd only had forty seconds of anger to in my life, forty seconds of conscious anger about it, and yet. They were 40 of the worst seconds of my life, right? And the tears washed that away. So the tears, the tears washed um, the, the anger to Patricia uh, away. And I felt as one with her, I felt that there was no separation between me and her and I go as far to say that I have felt that lack of separation in other circumstances so I've, I've felt that at, at concerts actually at pop, at pop concerts I felt that I, I felt that um, whilst uh, listening to the national anthems in in rugby uh, 
in, in, in rugby stadiums, I have felt a sense of oneness. And I, I don't think it's a I don't think it it is just a sense of oneness with my mother, birth mother, Patricia, um or, or a sense of oneness with the, the other people that like listening to the killers or the other people that are, um are in the rugby stadium. It's it's a it's a it's a sense of oneness with everything in, in the world. Um and and for me that's a sense of infinity rather than the finite self. Uh, and yeah and the and the 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 tears washed away the separation and led me to those led, led lead me to um seeing that we are infinite and that phrase that sentence that i use quite a lot on the show about us being one one spiritual being having 7 billion human experiences the 1 billion sorry the 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 one spiritual being is that um, infinite in infinity, and it's uh, limited beliefs are completely blown away in those yes. moments of infinity. Yes. Well, in that moment with Andrea in the airport and all I experience is white light. I didn't understand everything that moment was at the time, but I think it was that your experience, that oneness, that's what's real. And yes, we're seven, eight billion people, individuals having experiences within that oneness. Yeah. So you, you said you didn't understand what was happening. Um, uh, on that level, me, on me, the esoteric me, level. Me, me neither, because this isn't a rational thing. This is a, no. this is a this is a, a felt experience, and uh, and yeah, it it is. It it, it it's not. Uh, it's it's not something that can be rationalized in a brain, only sensed in the tingling of our. It can be experienced, but not explained. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And sometimes it's less dramatic than that. I think you, know, you mentioned Rupert Spira and um, Eckhart yeah. and Tolle. I, I read an Eckhart Tolle book probably 15 years ago and, and had um, uh, a uh, one of those bright did i tell you about this a bright light moment yeah. wasn't a bright light wasn't quite as extreme as that um so the book i'm talking about is the power of now um it's a quite a sh it's quite a short book uh the but the sentences are incredibly long <laughs> uh and it's incredibly deep 
but he, he explains um he he explains his um, um awakening experience on a on a park bench doesn't he in, uh, in 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 london and the day after i read the book i was sitting me and my wife were sitting in a in a beach bar uh, we're on holiday in turkey and we're sitting in a beach bar on the edge of the edge of the um yeah the edge of the the building so there was this straw roof above us and then there's the sea you know, 60 feet below us and suddenly all the there was a there was a, a peaceful peaceful moment and then suddenly all the colors uh turned up yeah, all the colours turn up. So the the, the Turkey's very hot in the most hot most of the year around, but very hot in the summer. So it's very arid and dry. And so there's a sense that it's kind of light, light brown, um, light brown scrubland, right? Because there's no, no trees growing from where from the view from this beach, a beach hut. The yellows became brown. And the sky, as the sea went from kind of a mid blue to almost like a jet black, inky blue. Hmm. Um, and I heard the, uh, I heard the, um, the, the wind whistling in the straw roof. And and then I and I, I don't know how long it lasted, but then it it came back, it came back round. Um, I, I came back around to, to to normal normality, and and I said to my wife, um, "Why why do we only come here for a week?" <laughs> so, and for the following ten years, we went to that place for two weeks. Um, but that's what does the the the, the story that does there is a, a a big point to the story is the fact that we. Or we we I chalked that experience down to the environment and the holiday, and it 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 came through me. It was feelings come. Um, from us, not to us. It, it it's an it's an inside. It's an feelings are an inside job. And in the Western culture, we're 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 led to believe that um, the external world impacts, decides our feelings when yes. our feelings come from us, not to us. And whilst we believe that our feelings come from the outside world, we're trying to change our outside world to give us the experience and the feeling that we think it's going to give us. And we're barking up the wrong tree. Um, I heard somebody, another Rupert Spira fan, saying this lunchtime on a podcast, um, it's like going, American guy, comedian, uh, it's like going to the hardware store for milk. 
<laughs> yes. We're looking in the wrong place. Uh, this is a guy called Pete, Pete Holmes, um, a stand-up comedian, um, interviewed by a lady called Kathy Heller. Yeah. We, we're looking in the wrong place. For happiness, for truth, for the deeper reality, for... All those things. Okay. All those and things. And you're saying the experiences the one with the letter with your mom or the one where I'm holding my daughter um, or the one in Turkey are all glimpses of this deeper reality we're looking for. Yeah. It, it's, it's us. It's us without our conditioning. It's us yes. shackled from our trauma. It's us unshackled. Uh, it's us uh, unveiled. So Rupert Spira talks about it being unveiled. So, the the shame this is the critical or critical thing for 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 our conversation because the shame uh, is felt for it's 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 yeah it's felt by adoptees and birth is it and just so tell me can can we drift off adoptee shame what's well, it's the, the shame it's the shame of not being good enough oh. yeah. and oh. and it's not the truth of who we are no no and now i now i'm upset because i've upset you um <laughs> it's it it's uh, you, you, like You've had it so tough, my love. You've had it so tough. Patricia, the two Patricias in my life, Patricia Florin and Patricia Flower, both the same initials, right? Yes. And, and the middle name, we said this last time. You're, it was you're, J. J, yeah. yeah. And you're a Jane, are you? A Jane? I am. Yeah. PJFs, yes. Yeah, so PJF, yeah. So my birth mother, Patricia, uh, Joan Flower. So the, 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 the two PJFs in my life, have had such, you know, 16 years of shame. You're, this isn't a shame competition, but yeah. I'm so sorry, you know? Well, and I'm sorry that you've had to carry that I wasn't good enough yeah. feeling. And there's, you know. Most of mine I, was I, to do with being, most of mine was business stuff. It wasn't adoption stuff. Uh, it really wasn't. Well, things translate into other areas of our lives, but uh, these I are the they, things. I think they compound actually, but I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I think they add. I think they add on. I don't. A good a good shrink, I'm sure, would be able to convince me that they were connected. Okay. Um, it's it's felt by everybody though. Everybody, just like we have more of it. Um, the the. The, the separation from our essential self is a human thing. It's it, 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 it's something birth mothers feel, it's something that adoptees feel, and it's something that everybody feels. Just we have more of it in our wheelbarrows. I think the... Um... Adoption itself comes with this trauma. 
even in an open adoption, this happens. It, 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 it's a good job that we know that what's veiled by that trauma, though, isn't it? Yes, yes. Now, you and I, speaking We've here, done the yes, work. We, do, we have done the work, and we know what was underneath all along. And we got those gifts, I consider being able to hold her for so many reasons. But that first time and that light and those tears, the gift of here's what's here's what's there. You're going to have to do some work to get there. This More is... reliably, but yeah. Because I was still believing all the you know, stories. But... Well, it, it, the, I, I've just done another um, bef before... Before we spoke, I've just done another podcast, and we talked about the idea that um, the mist, the, the veil comes and goes. The, the, the veil comes and goes. And that is not how we are. That's how, that's not how we perceive learnings in the West. So yes. it, 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 once we have learned to ride a bike, we don't forget. But once we have unveiled, once we've seen behind the veil of the of the trauma and seen the the light and the perfection of who we truly are, the veil comes back again, and and now we're on one hand it's less scary, and, and uh, well, and for me, <laughs> the 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 fear. Um, Kind of morphs or the fear and the anger, whatever it is, that sometimes that morphs into more like frustration or or, or when uh, yeah frustration like I had it and now I've lost it. But so I've been in a few of Rupert Spira's online retreats. And I, I can hear him in my head. I, I don't know how accurately, but, you know, um, you've never lost it. You can't lose it. The veil is there again. But the more we sit in the, what do we want to call it, um, our true, true nature, um, the more the veils will stop throwing themselves over over us and that requires you know meditation and questioning what we're thinking and yeah i just got his new book um you are the happiness you seek that's it in a nutshell you said inside versus the western world looking outside for answers but it's inside yeah yeah I, I try and I try and do a bit of Rupert for an hour a day. Oh really? Wow. Because he has some um, on on his website. He has some uh, recordings. Because I I I couldn't sit. I I wouldn't want to sit in a in a. Um, he does day events or week events, um, doesn't he? Uh, and I would go and do one of those. Um, I guess I will do sooner sooner or later. But I couldn't sit watching him for an, a day on my computer.
but I can listen to him for an, an hour when I'm walking the dog. And and some of his um, longer audios off his website, uh, you know, they're, they're like 50 hours long. So you can just hmm. another one every day, you know. Um, and uh, it's being, as another mentor of mine said, it's being, it's like, being pickled in it yes Pick, pickled in the understanding yeah so, steeping like tea steeping yeah yeah well yeah you know yeah but 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 like steeping so um oh yeah i saw uh i, I saw <laughs> i saw a show on telly um a a, a a british girl had just met an american guy and she was bemoaning the fact that he didn't put the tea, leave the tea bag in long enough. You know, it's got, so she she said it's got to be in for for two minutes. She reckoned <laughs> to make a good cup of tea. Um, I don't know uh, uh, how long. I guess it's just personal preference. Um, but yeah, two minutes, two minutes to 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 dip a tea bag. But pickling pickling can be like months, can't it? You know, that's true. That's true. Pickling, yeah. Uh, and I've been pickling myself in this stuff for probably 14 years now, I'd say. Uh, yeah. And it, and, and, and it gets richer and richer and the veils get thinner and thinner. Yes. And come back less and less frequently. Um and we bounce back quicker. That's brilliant, though, that you can do that. You've, and you've done the work now. And, that, uh, and but as you said, it's it's lifelong stuff, this. It's, it's continuous learning. It's not, it's not yeah. what's done. It's, uh, it's an ongoing. Yeah. And this way of healing may not be everyone's cup of tea. You know, people have. We're still on tea. Um, I like the way you did that. <laughs> we have, and whatever ways that for me again, it's that psychological and spiritual work working together. Whatever that means for you, whatever is really giving you a boost, a lift, sending you the better direction. Yeah, and it's not for I, I get I get it, and um, I get you, and I totally agree with you. It's not for everybody. If people are still listening, it probably is for them. Then. They <laughs> That's true. Up, if they're they still listening. Said, Simon, <laughs> Simon and Patricia have really just gone completely nuts. So uh, I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, the metaphors, though, that's that's where we make the, uh, the metaphors and the stories. That's where we make the abstract concrete. That's where... Um, so my favourite metaphors for metaphors is the is the invisible man. So he's he, he's invisible. You can't see him until he put his he he, he puts his um, uh, his suit on and he puts his bandages around his head and he puts his hat on because he's yeah and he puts some gloves on. So that's what that's what metaphors do. They allow us to take the stuff that is 
abstract, non-physical and make it physical. That's why pickling and tea and that kind of yeah. helps us make sense of this because our brains can't get our heads around stuff that isn't. No. Yeah. That's the thing. We can't we can't we can't see spirit, can we? We can only feel it. You can only sense it, yeah. Or be it. Uncover, take everything off, which is what meditation's sort of about, and rest in it. Yeah. yeah. We can't see it. We can feel it. We can experience it. In fact, we are it. We are. Once we, we are. Yeah. One uh, spiritual man had said, we are all the living metaphors. We're all, all of this is a metaphor. Life is a metaphor. It's just, that took me a while. I still haven't come to terms with that one. But It's the... Well, uh, yeah. Um, it's the immaterial made material. So the yeah. material is the material is the metaphor. Um, or, uh, yeah, doesn't Rupert Spira talk about them? I'm not sure. At, at seven, he he said, um, "Isn't the the this is." The universe is God's play or something? I can't remember. Huh. Huh. The one, yeah, universe, one song. Um, How lovely. It's a seeing thing, not a doing thing. Yes. So we, you, you talked about undressing. So we take off, we, we, uh, we are the, we are the peace that we seek that is covered by, that is veiled by, uh, oh, yeah, that's veiled by our, our, our clothes. So in a physical way, you know, we, we, we don't become ourselves by getting undressed. We were always ourselves. Just come. Well, and what we habit. undress. Yeah. Well, we, habit. Habit, is yeah. That- I, I was thinking about habits as in, so habits are something that a nun wears and something that we do. Like hab- conditioning. Habitual, conditioning. Conditioning, yeah. Our, we're culturally conditioned. We're, um, all our thoughts, our feelings, our sensations, the things we're so used to experiencing that we don't even pay attention to anymore. Um. These are the things that are veiling that underground, that being, that ground of being. Um, you know, or let's see if we can use Rupert's metaphor, the universe who's having the play. I mean, all these conditions are veiling that. Our habits veil and reality. Trauma veils reality. And you bet. shame, shame yes. fails reality. Yes. Shame fails reality. Definitely. 
if you're believing those stories. Um, Brene Brown is a shame expert here in the US. She's written some books on it and she differentiated shame from guilt. Guilt is something I did wrong, something bad. Shame is I am bad. And I, that, I really looked at that long and hard, questioned those beliefs. Did we talk about? Um, yeah, I, I I love that. Uh, I w- I'd, I wouldn't want to be a shame expert though. I she talks about that. She has a very popular TED talk about shame. You yeah. know, people say, "What do you do for a living?" Well, she's sitting on an airplane. Well, they don't want to hear you're a shame expert. <laughs> um, did did we talk when last last time we spoke? Did we talk about uh, David Hawkins and power versus force? Did we talk about that? No, but I know who David Hawkins is. Yeah, not not the biologist guy, not Richard Hawkins. No, 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 not Richard David Dawkins. Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Dawkins. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that um, that scale of consciousness. Um, that yes. is an epic book. Uh, it's an epic book in terms of he has this scale of consciousness, listeners, and the book is called. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. It's called um, okay. Power Versus Force by David Hawkins, and um, do you, do you remember anything about the the scale? No, I don't. I have looked at it. Uh, it goes but... from it goes from naught to a thousand. So um, your bright light experience is probably, I'm guessing here, and I, I looked at the book recently, probably about a six hundred, mm. or may, it may be higher. Um, the great religious avatars, Buddha and um, Jesus and Krishna, they calibrate at a thousand. Um, and it's a logarithmic scale. So it the, the difference between naught to a thousand is huge. Yeah. It, it's not like naught to a thousand. It's like naught to a a billion 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 it's huge it's not zero is dead would you like to hazard a guess where shame is oh somewhere around 10 close you're alive but 20 20 okay um pride is 180 Hmm. anger is 50 I can't remember all the things. But yeah, shame is 20. It's seriously damaging. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I I think a, a mother's unconditional love for her child. I think that comes in about 450. Comes in where? About 450, I think. Okay. It's mm. beautiful. So that gap, that leap from 20 to 450. That's pretty big. And the drop the other way around. So your drop from giving birth 
from 450 going to 20. Then going back, so you've got a peak experience to learn. Yeah. But I no longer fall back into shame. That's finished. That's finished. So it's like having to crawl out of a pit. Yeah. 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 That's so. that's the, from the darkness to the light. Wow. Um, I felt a bit, I felt I was being a bit left brainy and, and, uh, and reducing it to the numbers there, but this, this understanding of that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you listeners, if you're interested in this, have a look at that David Hawkins book because he, 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 he's got, he's got the numbers and he's got, and he's got the, um, the descriptors of the different levels and it becomes a lot less, um, a lot easier to understand and a, and a lot a lot less a, a lot more concrete a lot more tangible when we look at these different levels and we can see how basically we're fluctuating um uh, and uh we're, we're we're fluctuating but we're taking we're going up the ladder and then we're dropping down again and we're going up the ladder and we're going down again. but it, it's it and, and that's that's the that's the path that's the that's yeah. the journey to um, to back to where we always work. Because that's um, Richard, um, yeah, Dave, uh, Rupert Spire talks about that. He had to go all the way that around the world, um, uh, intellectually, and to the to the east to come back and find himself where it always. Well, he's a he's got a brilliant mind, and he's such a clear teacher. When I need clarity, that's where I go. Yeah. So. So, Patricia, is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, I I just to a couple of messages to not that it's my place, but just from me personally to adoptees. Oh, I hope you can see you were the innocence in all of this. You're the innocent. It was never about you being good enough, not good enough. And to any birth families out there still hiding, still buying into the shame and the cultural garbage that goes with that walk away come join where where we can meet our children develop relationships I do know women who are still hiding and it just breaks my heart for all of them so that would be it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And send Andrea my love. I will. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. And we will speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye.